second. I forgot to look this up. Genesis 49, 10. Cool. All right. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk today about the um, this thing called peace. Amen. We're going to uh, get as much understanding as we can out of the fact that um, God has given us a covenant of peace. What does that mean? Uh, when you have a covenant, that means there's a guarantee involved. It means that there is a forfeiture on the on the part of the person making the covenant. Amen. Uh, if it's not kept, there is extreme forfeiture on the part of the person initiating the covenant. Um, God initiated a covenant on our behalf, but he made it with himself. Man, Hebrews uh, tells us that because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. That in blessing he will bless us. Amen. And, and it goes beyond understanding that there is nothing that we can do to um, undo the covenant because it was not made with us. It's made with God between himself. We enter into it by accepting it and accepting him. Now, when we say we have a covenant with him, what what that means is that there is provision for us in that covenant, but we didn't swear anything. We don't have a forfeiture. We do, however, forfeit the benefits of it if we don't um, obey the dictates of it. So a covenant is like this. God swore by himself to himself that he would redeem us. He would come and uh, ransom us from the captivity of the enemy. He would uh, give us a new heart, put a new spirit in us. All the promises of the Bible are are granted to us by God. But he made that pact with himself. So he promised himself he would do this. He promised himself he would do these things. Just like, for instance, you, if you make plans, say, for your children or your grandchildren, they don't know anything about your plans. You have made a vow to yourself that you're going to carry these things out. You don't have to tell them. You don't need their permission. You don't need to have their input. You do it on the basis that you understand what you have, what they need, and you make that provision, but you make an agreement within yourself that you're going to do it. When do they find out about it? When they inquire. When they, when it's time. 
when certain things happen where they come into a maturity where they can handle that knowledge of what it is that you've provided for them. It's the same thing with us and God. See, God swore by himself because he could swear by no higher. Now, if he swore uh, against us, he's, he's going to a lower level of swearing. So he, we can't, we can't help the covenant that he has sworn. There's no way our, our swearing anything or promising anything is going to get us any better result because we're the weaker. So as the weaker, we tend, we would tend to damage the covenant if we got involved in our power and our might doing anything. So he swore by himself to take the weakness out of the covenant. See? So it's not even about is your faith going to get you what you need from God? It's not about is your confession regular enough to get what you need from God because you're not in it. When you exercise faith in God, you donate your faith and he takes your weak faith, pushes it out of the way and pulls the faith of the Son of God into your life. So this is no weak covenant, folks. This is not something. And see, this is why it bugs me when sometimes I hear people say, well, I don't know what's wrong. Why is it taking so long? You're not in it. You're not in it. Your confession, your strength, your faith, nothing you, you're, you're a deficit to it, so God left you out of it. Why did he put Abraham to sleep? Why did he put Adam to sleep? Because he said, this is my business, this is something I contribute to you. And your weakness and your input is not necessary. Because this is an act of God. Amen. So our covenant is an act of God. It's not an act of. It ain't cheap baby. You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus said your only contribution is that you believe. And when they believed him it was counted to them as righteousness. In other words. All their weakness wasn't considered. All their past activity and sin wasn't considered. All their not knowing enough Bible wasn't considered. All their lack of education wasn't considered. Nothing was considered with that was that they put their faith and confidence in him. And that's all that's necessary for us to please God. And when you please him, you have everything. See, we move sometimes too quickly. We move past pleasing him with our faith over into what we need, what we're going to get. When is it going to happen? How is it going to, you understand what I'm saying? And where, where our focus and our intent should be, God, I want to please you. God, does this please you? God, I want to use my faith to please you. I'm putting my trust in you. So the first thing God tells you to do is worship him. People that trust God worship God. 
If you don't trust God, you're not going to spend any time doing that. You're going to skip over that and try to find something else to do that he didn't tell you you got to do. Amen. So we want to skip over the, the necessary and get over into something we couldn't do anyway. Hmm? Everything that we need to know about God is written in his word. And if we would be practitioners of faith and obedience in God's word, then we would please him and this whole thing would be very simple. People run to seminars, they run to meetings, they buy DVDs, they stay on the internet scouring it, looking for prophecies, they do all this kind of stuff, skirting around the main thing and understanding that God lives in you and he put himself in you so that you would have easy access to worship him. That's all. He makes it easy for us to cooperate with him and do our part in obeying the dictates of the covenant. And so this covenant that God gives us is referred to in the Bible many times as a covenant of peace. Jesus would would use that phrase a lot. Peace, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Amen. What does it mean when somebody leaves their peace with you? That means that whatever peace means, it's a continual thing in your life. It's uninterrupted. It's not broken by your negligence, disobedience, not giving what you're supposed to do, cheating on your tithe, cheating on your offering. Come on now. If he leaves his peace with you, that means it can't be taken away from you by any means, even you. So we can't mess up to the degree that we escape his peace. It follows us everywhere we go. Knocking on the door of our hearts, trying to enter in, attempting to break into our Always making plans for the next great thing we're going to do for God that never happens. Amen. Always trying to think of one thing or another that, that's going to uh, get us over and make us happy finally and it never happens. See, his peace goes beyond your circumstances and the things that you desire on this side of glory. It goes, It brings glory into your situation wherever you are. So really, his peace is a sign of his kingdom being in force in your life. Hmm? So instead of saying, say for instance, Jesus would say, uh, uh, in, instead of placing the whole Bible on the inside of us, he just puts his peace there. And his peace symbolizes that everything in the word belongs to us. So he doesn't go line by line and and promise by promise with us. But what he does is give us his peace. And what that peace represents is that I can take his peace and that guarantees that when I have a need, no matter how big, how small, how deep, how wide, how it came into my life. 
You know, my, my lack of knowledge, my impulsiveness, my, you know, un, unbridled spending, my unbridled tongue, my, you know, bad habits, my bad temper, my eating too much, my whatever too much, exercising too little, I don't care what it is, whatever I need, I have it already because he left his peace with me. He leaves his peace with me. So peace covers every need. It's not about, you know, okay, well, this is a different kind of need and this came up all of a sudden and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, he knows you don't know what you're going to do. So you go back to the fact that your peace resides, his peace resides in you. God, I have a, 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 a legal tender that I can cash in for anything I need and it's called your peace. That peace is better than money. It's better than friends. It's better than companionship. It's better than, cause see, once you have his peace, you have a reassurance. You have all those other things that you. So we've got the biggest of the covenant already. The stuff that we're long, longing for and hungering for are small things compared to the biggie we got already. You know how people would just—they come to Christ and with a, a problem in their life and all their walk with God. They want that done. They want it, 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 want it. And if it if it comes, it takes forever. And why God are you taking so long? And well, you could save yourself a lot of stress by just receiving His peace about everything and make that a small thing. Oftentimes the reason we haven't received things yet, they're too big. It's like impossible. And when we get sick of being peaceful, we go to gnawing at that and worrying about it. Wonder what's taking so long. Wonder why it didn't come yet. Wonder, yeah. Or like they said to Jesus with the man who was born blind. Whose fault is it he was born blind? Whose fault is it I don't have this yet? Whose fault is it I don't have that? Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it I'm still waiting? Well, you're not waiting on anything. You have his peace, which is a guarantee. Whatever else you need is there. And it's on time. It's not missing. It's not broken. It's not hurting your life that you don't have it. Oh, we don't want to go there. Because see, the devil's convinced us there's something wrong because we don't have what we asked for yet. See what I'm saying? See, we trade in our peace for the devil's lies and nonsense and worry. See? Well, we really just need to receive the peace of God. Everything that you desire in life and then a lot of stuff you you haven't even thought yet that you want is guaranteed to you because of his peace. Amen. It takes care of needs you perceive and it takes care of future needs. It takes care of needs. That, you know, sometimes God is looking at us in a place of where we're going to wind up and the provision is already there and we can't even conceive of what what's going to be there when we get there. I has not seen nor ear heard. It hasn't entered into your heart what God has prepared for you. So it's not like where your life is and what you can think you want is 
all that there is to your existence. Get real. There are things that God will have you walk in that you have no clue and never thought you would ever arrive in that place and live that life. You got me? There are things that places where he will put us, things that he will have us do. So you have to open up your heart to just receive his peace and abide in his peace. Uh, embrace it like you've never embraced it before. Quit looking at yourself as having any lack. Because his peace means there's no lack. If you really know how to live in his peace. Now some of us, you know, we get peaceful for a minute and then we think something's wrong with us. Because we're so used to worrying. Are we so used to complaining? Are we so used to lack? Are we so used to something's wrong somewhere? I'm just too peaceful. You understand what I'm saying? I remember talking with somebody that once that, that, you know, they were separated from uh, their spouse and, and they said, well, let me ask you something. They said, I just feel so good most of the time. I'm just kind of scared. Does that mean I don't want him back? I said, no, that means God's adopted you. You have God's peace. I said, do you realize that God does not want you to miss a person one day that they're missing out of your life? He's made provision for you not to suffer even with the loss of things in your life. But see, the devil make you feel guilty because you're not wringing your hands and all upset. and Huh? No, God's promised you that you're going to have joy, you're going to have life, you're going to have, and it, it doesn't say, he doesn't say it's dependent on what man does and don't do in your life. That's the way the kingdom is. You bring it into your life where you are. His kingdom is already set in righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit is the greatest spirit in the universe and nothing disturbs him. So if you're here in him and you have all the fruit of the spirit that are available to you, you're not going to think one time that, that anything's wrong, that you feel good, that the world has beat you up and, and everything's against you. Huh? Sometimes those are the best days of your life. God has, that's what the Bible says when he, it means he has, he's a hiding, he's a refuge. Refuge from what? From being upset, from being depressed, from being angry, for wanting to kill somebody, for wanting to, you know what I'm saying? He's a refuge from you and your emotions and the things that disturb you. He's a refuge from disturbance. The devil brings divorce to disturb us. He wants to disturb your peace. Don't ever, don't let, don't, you know what? It, I really, I thought about this one day. I said, God, you know something? I said, the devil never should have tried to take my marriage. I said, because it was through that that I found my way to the hiding place where nothing disturbs me. You understand what I'm saying? Where goodness and mercy follow you everywhere you go, where nothing but good comes to you, and and you 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 should be disturbed and you should be upset because that's what the enemy wants for you. But you found your way to the refuge, you found your way to the hiding place, you found your way to the place of undisturbed composure, 
where the evil one touches you not. So you just stay under the shadow of the Almighty and peek out and say, Hey, devil, look where I am. You can't get me up in here. I'm in here. I'm having a good time. Oh. Amen. You know, it's not supposed to be for us to go on and on with wringing hands and upset and upsetting everybody and, you know, going crazy and running up for prayer every five minutes because we can't can't keep our minds on God long enough that you keep trying and you'll get there. See? Because he is a refuge. You don't want to, and see, you know, and you can't live in this, this fantasy land of you not going to have no problems in life. Are you kidding me? Huh? You, you better, you know, sinners have more sense than that. They know they're going to have trouble. They don't know how they're going to get out of it. But we have a refuge. See, we have those assurances already that nothing shall by any means harm us. Huh? You just go into the place of refuge. But see, we don't want to read those scriptures. You know, when you say, God is my refuge. Oh boy, I don't want, I don't want to have to have no refuge from what? What I'm hiding for? What I'm running for? You will know very soon. Huh? You will know very soon. There are a lot of scriptures we wish we didn't have to live out of, but they're there for a reason. Thank God they're there. <laughs> so John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said this to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. That's covenant language. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. In other words, this is higher than emotional, situational, circumstantial. This is not a circumstantial peace. What does that mean? That means it may be bad everywhere, but you don't feel it. He never said, I would magically remove all your problems, give you all the money you'll ever need. He never said that. He said, I will leave my peace with you. And it's not like the world gives. So this is over and above what the world can give you. You know, the world can give you another job so you can pay your bills better. The world can give you another whatever so you can do this. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking a peace above that. He's talking an eternal peace. He's talking one that will never be removed. He says, neither will my covenant of peace be removed from you. So it's an everlasting covenant of peace. So then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So if you have a peace that's not of this world, and all your troubles are worldly, you don't have any eternal troubles because you have peace with God. You know, that's the first place you know you have have it going on, is in the eternal realm. And But you want to know how to bring the kingdom down into your situation. Well, you have it already. 
You have it through his peace. See, you don't get comfortable after all your problems are solved. You get comfortable beforehand. Because he said, I, I'm leaving you my peace. There's nothing higher than that. He said, it's not like the world gives it to you. See, in the, in the world, say if you've got a problem, you you got a debt that, that you know, is, is consuming you. You can live nervous and, and get an extra job and keep working hard and sweating and slaving until you get the debt paid off. Or you can take his peace. And you'll still have to work. You'll still have to get it paid off. But you know in advance that it's going to work. And it's not stressing you out. Because you know God is with you. And the provision is already there. So all you got to do is take his peace. And step into the place of provision. And that's how we live. You don't live wound up stressed out. And upset about everything. You know let's grow up here. And receive his peace. God you gave me a covenant of peace. So that I won't have to be. Upset about things. And nervous about things. And frustrated and angry. Amen. The more you grow in the Lord. The more peace you should be able to. The closer you live with him. The more you can embrace his peace. Easily when situations come up. Or, or in places where situations have not come up. You embrace his peace quickly just receive it and say god i know the provision is there and i thank you for your peace i thank you that your peace comes upon me now like a blanket and like a shield and it passes all understanding i have no cares and no worries lord my heart is not troubled my heart is fixed i trust in you and i i got your peace is a, a sign of your covenant, a sign of what you have already laid up for me, a sign of what's in store for me. And I'm just holding on to my peace at all times. Amen. That's how we live. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. That hmm? peace keeps us from being troubled. Why is that important to God? Trouble is a sign of your dependent on the world. Worldly people have troubles and they show it. Well, Jesus said, no, I got something better for you. Now, trouble will come to you, but I'll give you something that's going to override the trouble so you don't even feel like you got trouble. All you know is that if it's not there yet, it's on the way. All you know that if it's not, if if you haven't acquired it as yet, He's making it for you. It's in the making. It's working. Amen. All you got to do is hold on to my word and thank me for this covenant of peace and stay in my peace with the assurance that it's on the way. Whatever it is. I don't care. I don't care if men say it's impossible. It's coming. And it's up to you to continue to believe and stay in his peace. Just stay in his peace. He says, abide in my peace. Amen. So, so what is peace? You know, I mean, uh, many times when they would, would talk to people, when kings would, would address people, if they came in with a, a complaint or they came in with a problem or trouble, uh, if they would, would, would be seen by the king, 
know, if he, if he held out the scepter to you, you had to be chosen, you know. We're already chosen. We have a covenant which means we're chosen already. So it's not like God is hearing us and not hearing us. The only thing that keeps him from hearing us is sin in our lives. And I'm sure you're smart enough by now to confess your wrongdoing before God and ask his forgiveness. Man, if you've hurt people, go to them and ask their forgiveness. You understand what I'm saying? Keep peace. Just keep everybody in your midst undisturbed. Don't allow people in around you to be disturbed by you. Huh? Go and make amends. Go and make sure that there's peace. Don't bring excuses. Just bring a request. Would you please forgive me? And, and let it go. Amen? And, and, and that's, that's how you do that. And to see if we'll do that, we always have expectation of good from God. We always have a, a, a listening ear when we're in his presence. Amen? So if, if the king granted to see you you pretty much had your request whatever you were asking for if he decided to hear your case it was pretty much a yes answer because kings had a reputation to maintain you got me he's not the when you went to the king kings had they had courts they had judges there were lesser lesser uh levels to go to if you had a complaint or you had a need say for instance you had a a neighbor that had moved the property line and it needed to be moved back well you went to the judge for that you didn't bother the king with that so the king was like the supreme court you had to go to him with something very important or you didn't get up there so the king you went to the king if the judge didn't give you satisfaction or something was still wrong and and so forth and so on and they would hear certain cases but pretty much it it was like our supreme court if they heard your case if they turned your case down it was because it's already been settled in in He's in agreement with what so far. But when you went to the king, you, you had to get there by means of working your way up there because your situation was unique. Well, God says you can ask him anything. You don't have to go to any lower courts. You don't have to, you understand? You, you have access to the throne room. With the littlest, the biggest, the smallest, the greatest, he doesn't care about the size of the request. Why? Because he's not only king, but he's father. And he wants to hear from his children. He cares for us like dear children. But he also has the supreme power to move any mountain, to move anything I remember when I was little, I used to, we used to, uh, when my father would come in, he would do these, you know, little man things. He would flex his, his arm and we were small enough. We'd get our little hands up there and swing on daddy's arm and all that. And I thought daddy could do anything. I said, well, my daddy's so strong. My daddy, my daddy beat you up. You met with me. And, and, and that's the way God is with us. He's a close father. Amen. We can rely on his strength, but he's got all power. He can annihilate every person on the earth if, if that were necessary, because he's done it before, except, you know, for eight people. And so 
But he also rules in every area. There's no area of life he doesn't have rulership over and authority and final say. That's who our father is. So he's your father, but he's also king, lord. He's the supreme judge. He knows what's right and what's wrong. Amen. And he says, vengeance belongs to me. I repay. You don't tell me to go and hurt somebody because you're mad at him. You got me? You you understand what your role is. Your role is to forgive and just let it go. And, and I'm watching everything. We need to be glad he's not quick to want to uh, put somebody out because they offend one of his kids or we'd all be gone. Amen. And so he's a God of mercy. Allow him to be merciful to people. Allow him to to let people live an abundant life. Give them a chance to repent. We shouldn't be so quick to, to call time on people when they need a chance to repent. They need our prayers. Amen. They They need mercy. They don't need excuses. Amen. You don't have to make excuses for people's bad behavior, but you can forgive them and show mercy and pray for them. Amen. So what does, what does God's peace mean? It's, it's the Hebrew and the Hebrew is shalom. Amen. In the Greek, let me see if I wrote that Greek word down. I'll just tell you what the meanings are. They're a little bit different in the New Testament than they are in the Old. But the old, the, 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 the meaning transliterates anyway. I mean, when Old Testament words <clears throat> are kind of like, uh, foreshadowings or they're vague interpretations. And then New Testament words nail it. You know, they're precise. They nail exactly what the meaning is. So, so the word shalom actually means completeness. So there's nothing lacking in your life. When Jesus says, I have a covenant of peace with you, I have a covenant of nothing lacking. That's why in, in the, in the New Testament says, and we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So you're complete in somebody who has all power over everything. Complete means he didn't leave anything out. I mean, there's nothing that you can think of you need that would stump him. It also means soundness. That means no weakness in you anywhere, physically, mentally, anywhere. It also means welfare. It means completeness in number. That means nothing's missing from your life. Everything's accounted for that belongs to you. That means soundness in body. By his stripes, you're already healed. I mean, you've set yourself about meditating on that for a couple of days. And that'll make you healthy. You know what we do? We'll say it a couple of times and then let doubt make us quit. That's all it is. You know, when you quit anything, it's because you have doubt. I don't care what it is. Amen. 
So the Bible says we meditate in the word day and night. I mean, you confess it too, but you can confess it inside. You know, I mean, I think sometimes we get a little worksy, you know, over into works a little bit about some of these things. Like if I come up to you and I ask you, how are you doing? And and you hesitate for a minute. You see, know what that hesitation means? Well, it just means that you're not sure. And then you say, you look at me and say, oh, I think she wants me to say I'm healed. I'm healed. See, those are the religious games we play with each other as believers. You understand what I'm saying? And and I'm I'm not asking you as a riddle or a quiz. I just, you know, it's it's kind of like a customary thing. We just, how you doing? You know, that kind of stuff. And and if you're healed, you'll say you're healed and you say it immediately. Why? Because you've been meditating. It's all in you now. It's all over you. You've driven out all the doubt. See what I'm saying? And see, this is why we speak the word. This is why we meditate on the word. I would say your meditation is far more important than your confession. I know there are confession people that don't believe that. But if you're just saying it and you don't really believe it on the inside because you haven't meditated, what meditation does, it's like putting, putting the, it's the washing of the water of the word. Meditation is agitation. It's mental agitation. And what are you agitating? You're finding all of those doubtful statements inside of you. And you're washing them out. You're rubbing up against them with the word of God. And if you do that, the word of God always wins out. It always wins out. See, that's why, you know, a lot of times we'll say stuff like if you're going to fast, if you're going to uh, uh, sit up and worry, or you're going to sit up and watch TV all day, or you're going to listen to nonsense, just go and eat the burger. You know what I'm saying? Because you're defeating the purpose of the fast is to drive out all the worldly stuff and get the word in you and make it stay. See what I'm saying? If that word starts to hit you on the inside, where it can get deep inside of you and get grafted in. It's the word that's grafted into our hearts that's going to produce the fruit. If it's not planted in there and grafted in tight, it's not going to produce anything. So it doesn't come from just a casual, you know, confession here and there. Oops, I forgot to confess it for two days in a row. Oh, confess, confess, confess. Don't Don't play. Just go somewhere and do something else. If you're not going to really understand and grab that word and make it yours. Amen. We know how to grab people faster than we know how to grab the word. Hmm? We work people to death when we want something from them. So don't play like you don't know how this works. Everybody knows how it works. You want something, you go after it. You pursue it and you capture it. But you got to know that when you capture the word, it'll work for you. And that's what many people don't believe. You won't pursue anything that you don't really believe is going to help you. So we give lip service to the word. We do it a little bit and then we back doing something else because your mind drifts. Listen, everybody's mind drifts. 
That's why part of fasting is putting down the plate, turning off the TV, get in, open the Bible up. Like, like Juanita Bynum says, she started telling people off, she cracks me up. She cuts so deep sometimes, it's like, well, dang, I do that too, but I didn't know it was wrong till you said it. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody doing this. I said, don't give me that, everybody doing, don't give me that, you, you got an app on your phone and that's your Bible. You mean that same phone you be texting all them vulgar words to people and telling people off on that phone? That's the one you talk about is your Bible? Woo! So after she got her finished me, she said, bring your Bible to church. <laughs> that was like her, her point throughout her whole sermon. But honey, by the time she got finished whooping you, you knew for a fact when you get on that phone, you don't just open your Bible app. You look at other stuff. Amen. So that's the biggest distraction that's ever been brought to us. Convenience and distraction. For every convenience that comes, there's going to be a drawback to it. Amen. So don't let's pretend with each other. We know what we're doing now, don't we? Amen. Open your paper Bible. (laughs) Bring your paper Bible to church. (laughs) Amen. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I do it too. If I sat there and had to do an app the whole time, I said, well, I'm, you know, it's kind of, kind of ain't, they, they, I don't take, I ain't found a note to take right now. So I'm going to go look over here on it. By the time the sermon is over, you didn't order $500 worth of merchandise off of somebody. Huh? It's the truth. Why do you think that the enemy, you know, gets us involved in modern things, up-to-date things, brand new things, so he can lure us away? Amen? Sure he does. There's a, there's a drawback in everything that's convenient. When people went from, from horse and buggy to automobile, people started getting killed in, in car wrecks. And they liked them sleeker and faster. And the sleeker and faster you make them, the more dangerous they are. So there's drawbacks in everything that brings a convenience, folks. Peace, the word shalom also means prosperity. That means that the curse of your labor being tortuous and your labor being hard for you is broken. That means everything you set your hands to will prosper and not fail. Amen? When you think prosperity, you need to look at your hands. Amen? Don't be daydreaming about being a multimillionaire. But what prosperity means, you set your hands to something. And it will produce, it will increase, it will multiply. Man, it's not going to just come to you. It's not how wealth comes. There's so many proverbs that tell you about sleep and folding of the hands. Poverty will come to you. Amen. It talks about idleness and how you'll never amount to anything. You won't have anything with idleness. But if you go to purposeful work and and know that God and obey God's laws as you do your labor, you will always have prosperity. It will always increase. It also means quiet and tranquility. So you're not disturbed. 
You're quiet and tranquil. Peace also means contentment, and that's a big one. Because the enemy loves to get our attention with a lack of contentment. He'll disturb us to move us off of that. You know, that's when we get to, when is this going to come? When's that going to come? When am I going to get when, 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 when? See, that's taking your contentment away. Hmm? So the enemy just picks at us. When is this going to come? You need to tell him, no, it's not coming. I got it already. Amen. I have peace about it, which means I have it already. Amen. Now you don't see it and I don't see it, but I'm not disturbed by that. It's mine already. This is like if you have money in the bank, it's not sitting up there in your house. But you're content because you know where you put it and you know it's yours. Amen. It's the same thing with things that we receive from God. You don't have to see them all, all the time in one place. But you know you have them. Amen. He's already given you a blank check with your faith for all things that pertain to life and to godliness. All things. All things. There's nothing he won't give one of his children. It also means friendship. When you have a peace of God, you have friendship with God. With God first. And then with people. It also means good human relationships. People need each other. Amen. Some, we're not desperate for each other, but if you have a, a need in life, there's going to be some human that's probably going to get involved in your life to, to satisfy that need. That's why God said, if you give, it'll be given to you good measure. Men will give unto your bosom. Men will give. People will give. Hmm? I know when, when sometimes when God starts providing, he has to break us of pride and wanting to always, well, I don't see why I have to take this from some, and, and I had somebody tell me one time, every time God sends me something, it's something that's used or secondhand. And I looked there, I said, why don't you ask him for new stuff, if that's what you want. You understand what I'm saying? That's where your faith is. You know, it's like, don't complain about what God's sending you. Find out how to fix it. You know, if you want new, ask for new. I was listening to a minister preach. They're very wealthy now. Very popular, very prominent. But they said that they would go through the supermarket when they were struggling and say, God, I'll be glad when, when we can have steak and we don't have to have. And the Lord corrected me. He said, she could have had steak then if she'd asked me for it. She's too busy looking at what she could afford and not looking at how big her God was. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, even though you eventually get there, don't get me wrong. You know, she stayed with what she had and worked on it and worked on it till she got where now she can afford anything she wants to. But God said, I, I don't deprive my children of anything. So if she wants to stay, she should ask me for stay. Got me? So at some point, people like that quit living on their means and start living by faith and expectation that God's going to answer their prayers. And so, and this is why we have his peace. It's like anything that we really want, we can have. 
uh, I was listening to a, a woman minister and she said she went to Israel and uh, there was a lady there that they were all, you know, a group of women. She met some of them for the first time. This one woman was saying, she said, oh, I've got something I want to show you. She said, you know, the sunsets, if we go to a certain area uh, there in Israel, you know, she said uh, it's it was a coastal town. Uh, right on the beach she said oh the sunsets are so beautiful she said and she said they're not that way every day she said but i've seen the most gorgeous sunsets there she said and on the way going home let's go by that that way and so while they were driving she said oh god would you just arrange one of those wonderful sunsets that you you always bring us and sure enough it came and she said at first when the lady prayed she thought why are you wasting your time asking god for a sunset and she said god got her and he said i said ask anything he said what's your problem i said ask anything so it taught her a very valuable lesson. Instead of getting jealous about somebody else's ask anything, why don't you find out what you really want and ask for it? Amen? It's very important. Very important. But she said that was a lesson her. She said, and I draw from that many times. She said, when I have a severe need and I think about will God do it and how, when's he going to do it? She said, he brings me back to that. And I think to myself, Lord, if you gave that lady a sunset, amen, you will definitely give, you know, that was just such a an unnecessary thing. She said, well, the trip would have been fine without it. But this was something that the lady thought, she said, that, boy, it'd be nice if, if you could arrange that, God, so my friends can see how beautiful that is. Whatever you desire. Whatever you want. You have a covenant of peace already. He's already given it to you. That's why he says my peace I leave with you. He said I'm not deciding to give you things based on what you want. How much it costs. Where it comes from. What it is. All I'm not deciding on any of that. He said I'm giving what I give you based on the fact that I swore to myself I'd do it. So I can't renege on it. Because I'm holding myself accountable to make sure you get it. If your faith is jacked up and your confession is raggedy, he says he still swore to himself that you'll get it. So he's bigger than our unbelief. He's bigger than our faithlessness. He said, if you're faithless, I'm still faithful. I can't deny myself. He says, I cannot deny myself. (laughs) You know, many times, you know, God will show up and he'll prove to you certain things. You know, that, that, and, and some of them are heartbreakers. You understand what I'm saying? Because truth is truth. Because he showed me, he said, you know, I have people selected for my children. Hmm? He said, and many of my children in haste connect with the wrong person. He said, but at some point in their lives, they will run into the person that I intended for them. 
And I said, God, come on now, don't make them feel bad. He said, it's not about that. He said, I promised myself I would give them the right person. He said, I can't deny myself. Hey? And and sometimes people, it's like people who are married, many times they'll come back later and said, you know, I thought I was doing better divorcing and remarrying, but I see now that that was the right person for me. And they're married to somebody else, divorced, married again, divorced, can't get back there for whatever reason they feel they can't get back there. I think they can. I remember, um, Audrey Ward, remember her? She was, she would, yeah, she was saying her parents were divorced when she was a young, might have been teenager even. I think she was still at home with them. And, uh, her dad married somebody else. I don't know if her mother did. I think so. But when they got in their 80s, both spouses passed away. They got remarried. Huh? They did. Somehow, eventually, after a while, the stupid leaves you. The pride leaves you. The I can't stand somebody leaves you. I can do better than that leaves you. All that leaves you. If you're walking with God. And then you, you begin to see with his eyes all of a sudden. You know, there was success here that I didn't attain because. Amen. And you repent. And you say, God, I thank you even now for showing that to me. There's rejoicing when you get truth. I don't care how hard it might be to swallow sometimes, how how brutal it might be or how hurting it might be. Because God always speaks the truth in love and we're able to receive it. But But we need to know that God is faithful to his promise. He won't deny himself. If he tells you this thing is for you, then you'll be able to see at some point that it was on his way. Maybe you quit. Maybe you didn't follow through. Maybe you got tired. Maybe you thought you couldn't go another day. All those deceptions will come to us. Huh? If God healed one person, he'll heal you. Does it matter what you have? Of course not. Because he's Lord and King. He's He's King of, over all principality and power. He's the head over all principality and power. He can make a, a sickness devil leave you and he can bring new parts into you. Amen. It's not that hard for him. Amen. It may be hard for us to believe because we'll believe for a minute and then go off and and get silly and do something else. You know, we get brain fatigue. If we stay in the word too long, we start to get scared ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wait a minute. What? That's that's a sign you haven't stayed long enough. You need to stay longer until you get really scare yourself. And look up and receive whatever body parts you need or see whatever receive whatever healing you need. You need to get real good and scared of yourself for a long time. Amen. And receive what God has for you. It means we said good human relationships mean friendship with God in covenant. Hmm? A covenant friendship with God. Irrevocable. It's not here and there. It's not transient. It's not just when you're obedient and off when you're not. 
It means to be finished, safe, and unharmed. New Testament interpretation of of, uh, uh, peace or shalom, it means to rejoice, be merry, reward. So really the, the, the Hebrew understanding of peace had to do with needs that can be taken care of. Where in the Greek, the needs are already taken care of. See, if you can rejoice and you can be joyful, it doesn't come here and there. You know, the people of God back in the Old Testament had rejoicing mostly on the Day of Atonement. When you made the sacrifice and offering and the presence of God would come down and visit people, that's when they had it. In the New Testament, you have it all the time because he lives inside of you. You can draw from the well of rejoicing. Jesus is your reward. You have everything that you need residing on the inside of you all of the time. And you can draw from it. So you can have, you already have him. Who is the head of all principality and power. He is all powerful. He is all-knowing. There's no lack in him. Plus, he loves you and will give you everything. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But we have to undergo the transformation. We've got to apply ourselves to learning. We've got to walk with him. We've got to study to show ourselves approved unto him. Some of the uh, Old Testament words referring to peace, Shiloh, means peace bringer. In Genesis 49, I think that's the first time that word's mentioned. Now Shiloh got to be a a place in Israel. Uh, Shiloh means peace. It was a place where the the first tabernacle was. The ark and the tabernacle resided at Shiloh. So it was a place of worship. But in Genesis 49, what I say, 49, 10? What was that? Yeah, I think 49, 10. I don't know why I put my thing there. These are prophetic words that were spoken over the children of Israel. Verse 8. This is a prophecy given to the tribe of Judah. He said, Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. Your hands shall be the, be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you are gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now who is this Shiloh? What is this Shiloh? Shiloh really is an Old Testament synonym for the Messiah. Shiloh is the peace bringer. 
So the one who brings peace. Now we just saw who that was in John chapter 14. But it also is a foreshadowing of Jesus. But the word Shiloh also is interpreted him to who it belongs. So the one to whom the scepter belongs is Shiloh. That's Jesus Christ. He's the possessor of every. It goes back to uh, El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. So when all of these different names for for Jesus, Old Testament shadowings, give an understanding of what he carries and what his capabilities are. So then by the time Jesus came and, and the, the Jews would talk about Messiah, everybody, when you would say that word, they knew what it meant from the stories, the shadows, the, you know, this is the one to whom it belongs, he's the rightful heir. Amen. And and nothing, he's eternal. Nothing can ever be taken away from him. So that word Messiah had a, a huge meaning for them. Amen. It was bigger than, than a human being was. He was also going to bring peace. That meant that he would bring a, a blessing to that nation where all of their enemies would fall before them. That's why the disciples kept asking Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to restore the kingdom? They wanted to come out from under Roman rule and oppression, and they knew that Messiah meant we get free from all that oppress us and all that hurt us. Amen. It also means a place of rest. Shiloh is a place of rest. We said the ark and the tabernacle were there. Shiloh was where Samuel grew up. Remember Hannah came to the tabernacle and the priest at Shiloh, Eli was the priest at Shiloh at the time. So the place where God's presence dwells. And his presence dwells in peace. Amen. Where his peace is, that's his presence. His, his presence establishes his peace. Solomon is a derivative of shalom. It means peaceful. Israel had zero wars, I think, during the time of Solomon. Everybody just bowed to him. Amen. God didn't let David build the tabernacle because he said, your your hands have shed blood. He said, I want a man of peace to build my tabernacle. So he allowed David to amass riches all the necessary things he told him. He said, you will be the father to gather up everything that's necessary for the tabernacle, but I don't want bloody hands building a house of peace. Amen. So then Solomon comes. They name him Solomon because of that. They knew what was promised to come in his generation. Amen. So they call in naming Solomon that they call for a king of peace. They call for a uh, a season of peace for Israel. Peace is when you build. You can't build anything when you're fighting all the time. Amen. So you build when, when amen. You really can. Amen. Salem is another word for peace. Jerusalem. Remember Melchizedek was king of Salem. And that is the city of peace. Salem also means, Jerusalem means teaching peace. 
So their temples were where peace was taught. Jehovah Shalom, God is peace. Absalom is another derivative of it. My father is peace. See, there are two peace givers in one generation. Absalom and Solomon were brothers, and both sons of David. Absalom was killed. Amen. Solomon survived to be king of Israel. So it was appointed to him. It wasn't appointed to Absalom. Amen. So, <clears throat> peace also came through shed blood. Through an offering. Amen. In number 614, it talks about the three separate offerings. The burn offering, the sin offering, and the peace offering. The peace offering restored us to right relationship with God after the sin offering was made. So Jesus is our sin offering. And he is also our peace offering. Amen. He says, my peace I leave with you, but any Hebrew who knew the law knew you didn't get peace until the sin was taken care of. Amen. So, Jesus meant your your peace will come through the remission of your sins. Amen. That's how you get it. You're all tied in together. Many people try to take Confessing your sins out of your relationship with God. I don't understand it. You know, I can be, I can be my mind wandering and, and, and all kinds of things happening or, or concerned about something. Then I'll go to God and say, God, forgive me. You know, please forgive me. I said, I'm acting like I don't know you and I don't have a relationship. Please forgive me, Jesus. Amen. And then pretty soon, this peace will descend. Amen. He'll come upon me and, and it's like it's all good, Barb. I heard your confession. And you have been. You know, I know it. You don't have to ask God, what did I do? It's like, <laughs> you know, you got your fingerprints are everywhere. You got a trail of, of dead bodies behind you. And you wonder, what well, what did I do? Huh? Come on now, we know. And you know when you're out of sorts on the inside, when your peace is disturbed on the inside. You know it's you. It's not your neighbor. It's not. I done tried it all kinds of ways. Well, God, I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't have done this. Yeah, that won't get it. That won't get it. Gotta confess. God, please forgive me for even lying about that. Thinking it mattered to you whose fault it is. What matters to him is that we have fellowship with him and with one another. Amen. It's like we'll go through life. You know, and the world has done this to us. Thinking that it's important who uh, touched you wrong when you were growing up or who, you know, left you somewhere or put you up for adoption or put you in foster care or like that matters. You understand what I'm saying? Not so to the world it matters because the world likes keeping people apart instead of bringing them together. Huh? For the ones who will want peace, 
God is helping them. You understand what I'm saying? As you know, you'll see these programs now where um, their their kids don't know. They want to know who the parent is. And you'll find that some of them get together. Now, God blesses them to be able to find one another. and They just want to fight with each other and be mad. But the ones who are willing to forgive and just embrace one another and confess... I wanted to see you so often. I read, when they get peaceful about it, like they're not looking for the parent to tell them how wrong they are, how mad they are with them and all that, God will begin to reconcile. You got me? And sometimes if God knows that that the love bond is strong enough, he'll even work, help work through that angry thing that they have on them sometimes. You know, if if you're seeking peace, the God of peace will make sure that all peace comes to you. You know, he really, really will. And so there's a place where God wants to reconcile us one with another through his shed blood. And his shed blood is the place where that happens. Amen. It really, really does. So the peace offering restored us to right relationship after the sin offering was made. You can't skip over that and have right relationship. It's like, you know, uh, these people that, uh, well, my my husband gets mean when he drinks and, and all that. When he sleeps it off, he comes in and pretends nothing's wrong. Well, you're only going to be in love with that person for so long. And I'm telling you, if that brother would confess and apologize and be make try to make things right, God would help him get sober uh-huh, and keep his family together. But he's not going to do it if you're trying to play these denial games like, you know, nothing's wrong. Why are you mad at me and all this kind of childish stuff. Amen. Childish stuff. It's childish. Some people go through most of their adult lives wishing they had taken the opportunity to let things go and to make peace. But often they don't. Amen. You know, that's why God, God, one of God's promises to his people is that you will go down to your grave in peace. Amen. Won't be nobody mad at you. Nobody trying to get even with you. Nobody suing you for anything. Amen. Everything. And it's good. It's very important because the end of your life is a reflection on how you wind, how you wind up in the end is a reflection of your relationship with God and how you've managed to make things right. Between people. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 37.26 says. God has an everlasting covenant of peace. Everything you need from the cradle to the grave. Is taken care of. Ever and beyond. Amen. So our covenant goes beyond our life. Uh, on this earth. Ezekiel 37. Let me read that. 37.26. <clears throat> Praise God. <clears throat> a long chapter. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. Why is that? Because I'm not making it with a weak man. I'm making it for a weak man through a strong God. Amen. 
It shall be an everlasting covenant with them and I will place them and multiply them. That's your increase. All the time increase. So any covenant of peace is a covenant of increase. It's already built in. So we don't have to go to 15 prosperity seminars. There are people who are very wealthy. They're like nominal Christians. And they think probably some of our, our church meetings are crazy. They will, you know, all I ever did was go out and work and, and do smart things with my money and I mean, it ain't that hard. Everything you need is available to you forever. Well, I don't just want needs. I didn't say it was limited to needs. Amen. It's not limited to needs. Your wants are in there. Your desires are in there. Things you like to do. Like there are some people who have taken hobbies and turn them into billion dollar businesses. Just, you can, you can make a billion dollars almost off nothing. Many people who are skilled at, in things in the internet and know how to gather data and how to put together marketing lists, you know, uh, uh, it's like, you know, there's some, some, uh, Businesses, you know, you'll see a little ad or on some of the pages you go on 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 the internet. You'll see an ad, uh, auto insurance at reduced rates. Save X number of dollars a year on auto insurance. Well, the guy that put that ad on there is probably making a hundred thousand dollars just with that ad. Because people click and they say, okay, I'm interested. What he does, he's not selling insurance. He's getting lists of names for people who do sell insurance and he sells them that list. So you click and somebody takes your name, but the guy they give your name to, he has to buy your name from them in order to get access to you. And it's worth it to him because he doesn't have to keep going out advertising and all that kind of stuff. And all they're doing is putting ads and giving names and selling lists of names of people. That's how business, and these people make millions of dollars just gathering lists and selling names, prospects. It's the same thing, and don't get over into the realm of stocks and bonds and securities and stuff like that. They start gathering names from that, and they sell them to these brokers, and the brokers, it's up to him to make money off of you. But he's willing to do it because he got somebody, got a fish on the hook. Somebody showed interest, and that's what they're purchasing. So it's not hard, folks. All you got to do is come up with an idea and a buyer. And people are buying ideas. They're not always buying Material things. People are buying access. They're buying influence. They're buying all kinds of things. So it ain't that hard. You know what's hard? The stupid stuff the devil puts in there to make you think it's impossible. He does. He gets people wound up in, in 
buying somebody's Tony Robbins, you know, uh, motivational tapes. I gotta go get motivated because I'm gonna, I wanna make a bunch of money and I gotta go do this because I want, I gotta go, you know, and God says, I give you my peace about this stuff. You want to be a millionaire? I'll make you one, but you got to do it my way. You got to stay with me and obey me and get it. Huh? You're not willing to go into the word and, and devote yourself to it. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen with casual. And you ask people who are millionaires, they were never casual about what they're doing. They kept at it. Some of them, even after they failed at it many times, kept at it and they finally succeeded. And so it's one of those things that it's no problem with God, whatever your heart desires, boo. But he will give it to you. There's a price to pay for it. And so for people who are willing to pay the price, it's there for them. But he gives you his peace. If you've never received his peace about it, it's not yours. Got me? I don't care what it is. You've got to have peace within you about it. And you can't be worrying about it. You can't be trying to make it happen. You can't be talking it to death. You must have peace. Amen. All right. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for helping us to know exactly what it is that you have for us because your peace is our guarantee. That's our assurance. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your peace. It's so good to know that what belongs to us We have your peace. Help us to be abide in it. Help us to appreciate it. Help us to seek it, to cover our lives more and more. And we thank you for that, Father. That's such a reassuring thought. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.